ESK here on Thursday, August 17th, dropping a spur of the moment, kind of stewing on it for a couple of hours, Keyboard Kimura podcast presented by One Bone, talking about a situation, a conversation that I was having on Twitter late last night, and then again this morning uh, with Patrick Auger and Drake Riggs regarding um, a post about Aljamain Sterling and then Patrick's response to it. And and it went from there. So I'm just going to lay this out. I'm going to read through everything. I'm going to tell you where it started, read all the, read all the tweets, give you all of the back and forth from the three of us, and then get into a little bit more of why this thing is sticking in my head. So last night, as I'm wrapping up the day, I see a reply from Drake in my, in my timeline. I follow Drake, good dude over at MMA fighting talking about a, a reply that Patrick had. So I went back and I get to the start of, of this thread. And so it starts with an ESPN MMA graphic that has an embedded tweet from a user at JMMA4 that says in his last five fights, Aljamain Sterling has beaten Corey Sandhagen, Piotr Jan times two, TJ Dillashaw, Henry Cejudo. Whether if you love or hate him, this man has built an impressive streak in the bantamweight division. Patrick quote tweeted that and said, here is a great example of quote, it doesn't matter how you win, just that you win, end quote, in MMA. Sandhagen, great win. Jan was losing badly, got DQ win. Jan two, very close split decision. Dillashaw, TJ Hyde's bad injury. Cejudo, split decision. It's not nearly as impressive as it seems. The original response from Drake that I saw that got me into this and and brought me around to this was, although I do think Sterling is great and really underrated, you're spot on. To which Patrick responded, exactly. Deserves to be champ, definitely underrated, but he's not on an unreal run at 135 like some people make it out to be. He's not doing what Volk is doing at 145. I then jumped in and I will be the first to say this conversation had nothing to do with me. There was no business for me to jump in, but I was just feeling in one of those moods that I wanted to contribute and have this conversation, probably in part because I have a great deal of respect for Aljamain Sterling. I think he is criminally underrated and I, I don't really like this line of, of, of thinking and talking about athletes. So my response was, He's won nine straight in the best sport, in the best division, excuse me, in the sport. Nine, all caps, exclamation. I don't care how he's done it. Winning nine straight against elite talent is insane. Could it have been more decisive? Sure. But why do we always, all caps, find ways to minimize achievements rather than elevate people? Drake then responded, I fully agree with you here, but the same argument can be made for the guys who did it first, like Cruz. People always like to overhype the now, and I understand why. In turn, it ends up disrespecting the legends who paved the way. The GSP and Usman debate was slash is a prime example. To which I responded, but this wasn't doing that. Dude just said he's on a great run, and Patrick went straight, and I quote, yeah, but. We do it with everyone, always, and I don't get it. We're always diminishing success minimizing achievement so someone like Aljo doesn't get too much shine. It's dumb. Drake responded, again, fair. 
I suppose I'm just thinking in a general sense. And Patrick then tagged back in and said, nah, that's exactly what I'm doing. And Drake is right. I'm not diminishing his success. I'm adding much needed context because people are already saying Aljo's the goat bantamweight, etc. It's not dumb at all. It's dumb to think it's not needed. To which I responded, context is always needed. However, we re rarely add context for any reason to make sure people are getting too much love. Rarely is it to bolster someone's standing. Aljo might be the best bantamweight. His run is excellent, regardless of how he's gotten those wins. And now I had a couple typos in there, so I added a little, a little like, clean it up at the bottom. So it should have read. No, it should have read. Context is always needed. However, we rarely, however, we rarely add context for any reason other than to make sure people are getting too much, aren't getting too much love. To what, to which Patrick responded, we see slash hear stories all the time about the personal adversities fighters overcome. Anik does it routinely on, on broadcasts. Wins, quote, regardless of how, is my whole issue given the horrific state of MMA judging. Performances should matter, not just wins and losses. I then responded, context is rarely given to elevate slash explain performances only diminish. No one cared about why Sanhagen fought the way he did. It was, it just wasn't good enough in quotes, but contextually there are reasons that explain the performance. It needs to go both ways. Another follow-up in my opinion, judging isn't no anywhere near as bad as you or others suggest. Performance should and does matter. However, we weaponize it to diminish achievements and hold people back. Wins aren't good enough to merit opportunities, pushes, but at some point, just winning matters. And then I added the last little caveat to it of, by the way, open invite to sit down and talk about this on a podcast whenever you'd like. If you're interested, I appreciate the discussion. Want to hear your side more because I think this stuff is important. Have a great day. I have not heard back from Patrick at all. I do not anticipate hearing back from him at all. He doesn't follow me. I don't follow him. I don't have any relationship with him. The interactions we've had have generally been like this, where we are on opposite sides of the ledger on subjects and topics like this. And so it just doesn't feel like a thing that he's going to sit down and want to have a conversation with me about. And that's perfectly fine. I don't expect him to. But the reason I wanted to record this, the reason I wanted to sit down and put this out into the world is because this idea that we need to go through and not only, not, not just celebrate victory, but go through and then essentially give it a score, right? Give it a ranking is what it feels like. We need to go through and say, well, this is a 90 win and this is an 80 win and that's only a 65 and we're constantly measuring out what these performances are like. And as I said in that, in that thread, I don't think, and I haven't seen from my experience, 15 years in this business, 14 years of them on Twitter, I haven't seen a lot of instances where people have come out and said, right, but remember, and put the asterisk next to a good performance that should be elevated even more. It's only done next to the fights where they want to tear somebody down. And it's only done, in my opinion, to select fighters. We don't necessarily do the, 
yeah, but remember game with a whole bunch of people. We do it with a select few who, for whatever reason, we don't like, we think are too big for their britches, are riding too high, are getting too much love. It's interesting to me. It's frustrating to me as well that Aljo is this guy because a lot of people don't have any issue throwing out goat conversations and getting into goat debates when it's somebody they like. But if someone like Aljamain Sterling, who it seems a lot of people just don't want to give shine to, just don't want to give him his flowers, starts getting talked about by various people in this industry as maybe the best bantamweight of all time in UFC history, there's suddenly this pushback and we have to start affixing asterisks to his wins. We all know that the disqualification win over Piotr Jan the first time around. Aljamain Sterling doesn't want that win that way. But he came out in the next fight and he got a victory to cement himself as the champion. And he subsequently defended his title twice. And you can only beat the people that are in front of you. And you can only deal with situations that happen to you in certain ways. As my guy Zach Paklub said to me today as, as we were talking about some different stuff, right? Aljo gets a lot of stuff held against him for things that he had no responsibility in. He has no ownership of. Piotr Jan need him in the head. TJ Dillashaw decided to turn up with a bum shoulder. That's not Aljamain Sterling's fault. He went out and did what he had to do. And the takeaway is let's diminish Aljo. I actually haven't even heard that much. What the fuck was TJ doing? Talk in the wake of that. It's just held as a, well, that's not that good of a win because so that we can claw Aljamain Sterling back down off of the pedestal some, and maybe even he has put himself on. And when I said in that thread that we weaponize this grading of wins, we weaponize this not good enough. The two examples that immediately jump to mind are welterweight champion Leon Edwards and number one contender Bilal Muhammad, both of whom are on and were on extended runs of success to where they had done enough to merit in terms of victories, in terms of performance, in terms of who they beat, opportunities to challenge for the UFC welterweight title. And for both men, it was met with resounding, yeah, but those wins weren't good enough. As if going on eight, nine, ten fight unbeaten streaks in the welterweight division is this thing that somehow isn't good enough. When Leon Edwards was on his ascent, he reached a point, in my opinion, after beating Rafael Dos Anjos, that he should have been in line to challenge for a title. Recently, everybody else that had beaten RDA was fighting for the title, right? Colby Covington beat him to win an interim title. Kamaru Usman beat him. He fought for the title. That's how that went. That was the move. Then Leon Edwards beats him and it's like, now nah, we need you to do more. We need more out of you. After getting that win over RDA, we had the whole Hamzat Chemaev debacle which then led to the fight with Bilal Muhammad, who took it on short notice, ends in the eye poke again. It gave people a reset to see, say, to see, to say, excuse me, see he hasn't done enough. And then we needed to have the Nathan Diaz fight, a fight where Leon Edwards dominates 24 minutes of that fight. 
dominates it. And the only thing, the only context, the only takeaway, the reason there needs to be an asterisk is Nathan Diaz landed one good shot and then didn't follow up. Did Leon Edwards get rocked? Absolutely. He'll be the first to tell you. Kind of lost focus a little bit, ate a clean shot, got put on some roller skates. But at the end of the day, his hand got raised and he won 24 minutes of a 25-minute fight. Thankfully, he got the opportunity after that. We know where we stand now. Knockout, head headshot dead in Salt Lake City. Majority decision win earlier this year in London to retain the title. Bala Muhammad, even before that fight with Leon Edwards, he was a guy that wasn't getting the credit that he was due. Going into that fight, Bilal Muhammad had won eight of nine with his one loss being a decision loss to Jeff Neal. So he had gone eight and one with his loss being to a top 10 guy. And people were like, yeah, I'm not sure about Bilal. I don't know about this guy. Goes out, they have the accidental eye poke March 2021. And then after that, he goes Damian Maya, Stephen Thompson, Vicente Luque, and Sean Brady, where he finishes Sean Brady. So through Maya Thompson and Luque, the asterisks and the yeah buts for the quality of his win is, yeah, but it's not that entertaining. And he's grinding these guys out and he's playing to his advantages and he's taking down Thompson and not striking with him. And he's taking down Luque and not striking with him. And he hasn't done enough. He's run the unbeaten streak to set to eight, excuse me, seven victories, eight unbeaten, but it's, it's not enough, right? There's, there's back to back top 10 fighters in there but it's not enough. So then he goes to Abu Dhabi in October last year and stops Sean Brady in the second round, hands him his first setback, hands him his first loss, and does it with style points, does it with all the marks that you could want, does it with all the flair and all the everything you could want, just goes out and puts it on him. And the response was still, yeah, but you know, Sean Brady is, Sean Brady going into that fight was somebody that everyone in this industry believed was going to be making a run towards the title. He still very well might. I don't know. But somehow, Bilal Muhammad steamrolling that dude still wasn't enough. To where he then goes out and beats Gilbert Burns at UFC 288 earlier this year in Newark, New Jersey on relatively, really short notice. Excuse me, not relatively short notice. Really short notice. And again, it gets met with an asterisk. Well, you know, he didn't finish him and he had five rounds and Gilbert was hurt and he couldn't get him out of there where we were again putting qualifiers on it. But Bilal Muhammad is 9-0 with one no contest in his last 10 fights and we still want to try to put qualifiers on it. We still want to say how he wins is, if not more, is, is more important then that he wins. And I disagree. I think that holds people back. I think that diminishes performance because if doing this shit was easy, if getting even just five straight wins since that eye poke incident with Leon Edwards two years ago, if that's easy, if going Damian Maya, Stephen Thompson, Vicente Luque, Sean Brady, Gilbert Burns in succession in the last, in a span of, Two years, 23 months, if we're being exact, is easy. If that's simple to do, why haven't more people done it? If running your winning streak to nine, unbeaten in 10 in the UFC welterweight division 
is easy. Why haven't more people done it? 13, one and 13 and one with one no contest in his last 15 fights. And you want to tell me that this dude needs to do more. His wins need to be better. They need to look cooler. They need to be more flashy. Get the fuck out of here. And this is why and where I take umbrage with Patrick's sort of assessment of things. And it's not that he's saying anything untrue. Everything he said in that initial of, of sort of qualifying and clarifying those victories for Aljamain Sterling is on the records, facts, no, no notes, no disputes. But my problem with it and the reason that it elicited a response from me is, as I said, we don't see it when it's, let's put some context to why that performance that everyone says isn't good was better than it actually was or, or plays better or should carry more weight, right? And the recent example, the one I gave in the pieces, in the, in the thread, excuse me, was Corey Sandhagen, who after that fight with Rob Font, Twitter lights up saying, man, what a terrible performance for Corey Sandhagen. Well, he took the fight on two weeks notice against a top 10 fighter who is absolutely lights out on the feet in terms of his boxing. And so just from a tactical standpoint, even if there's nothing else going on, Corey Sandhagen said, I have a more sure path to victory by wrestling this man. So let me go out here and do it. And he did. Now, on top of that, he mentioned in his post-fight interview that he had some shoulder issues or sorry, some elbow issues that he was dealing with that made it a little hard to get through camp, to do things the way that he wanted to do. And then in the first round, he felt a pop in that arm. And so he was a little bit limited throughout that fight. As it turns out, he has subsequently had surgery to repair whatever that issue was and is now going to be sidelined for a number of months. And yet we just want to say it wasn't good enough. We want to say he needs to do more. And every time we ask somebody to just do more, to me, it diminishes the success that they've had. It takes away from what they've done. As Sean O'Malley said, and, and shouts to my guy, Zach Paklub for, for helping me with the piece that is up on UFC.com now. As he said, when Zach asked him, you know, what do you say to the critics that, that have argued the level of competition you faced? He's like, you don't beat Piotr Jan if you're not as good as I am. Like, that's not a guy you just go out and beat. And so if you want to qualify all the rest of it, fine. But I went out and beat that guy. And so looking at it from Aljo's, from the Aljo standpoint, he went out and beat those guys. He got the victory, whether they were stylish, whether they were flashy, whether they were close, whether they were clear, whatever the case may be, he got those wins. And if we don't value wins, just as is, just wholly on the face of them, celebrate and hold important victories inside the octagon, then we get to where we are now and maybe even worse, where Colby Covington doesn't have to win important fights to get title opportunities, where Jorge Masvidal can lose a short notice fight to Kamaru Usman, sit on the sidelines for a year and then get another title shot without fighting. Because people are sitting there diminishing the results of everybody else and saying everybody else hasn't done enough. We need to put value 
back into just straight up wins because that's what moves you forward. And you can only beat the guys that are in front of you. And whether it's with style points or it's on the scorecards and it's close, that win matters. At the end of the day, this is about winning fights. We want folks to win fights. And if we then want to start qualifying all of it and adding letter grades or victory scores to it where we're rating everything out of 10, then we need to also factor in contextually the things that might contribute to it not being as good as it could have been, not just detracting from those efforts so that we're pulling people backwards. In a bigger picture sense and in a in a kind of grander scale sense, the reason this thread and, and this idea sort of hits hard for me and lands lands poorly for me, I should say, is because it feels like this is just where we're at right now. And I don't know, I don't actually think that it's just MMA. I think it's societally. I think we are in a diminish things cycle. Right now, we want to tear certain people down. We want to pull them back and claw them back and not let them be great, not let them get shine and attention and positive reviews when we don't like them, when we don't think that they're that, that it's justified. It feels to me like we want to throw asterisks on only certain things, as I've said throughout this. And I just don't, it's just not who I am. It's not who I want to be. It's not what I want to be around. And so then to see it so prominently in a sport I have dedicated my professional life to covering and in regards to athletes that not not only I've dedicated my life to covering and speaking about, but that I I have a relationship with, right? I've, I've cultivated a relationship with Aljamain Sterling. I think he's a good dude. I enjoy our conversations all the time. I think he has a great perspective on things happy for the success that he's had. And it just feels like there's this desire to grab onto certain people and pull them back. And we overlook the mistakes or shortcomings or failures of some people in some spots at some times. And then with others, we want to make sure to add that context so that everybody understands it's not as great as it seems. So Patrick said in that thread, it's not like Aljamain Sterling is going out there and, and doing something comparable to Alexander Volkanovsky at, at featherweight. One, I haven't seen anybody that has said Aljamain Sterling's run is comparable to that of Alexander Volkanovsky at featherweight. That's not a thing I have seen. I will also say, if you want to start throwing asterisks around it, listen, I, I don't, I'm loath to do this, but like Volks fought the same guy three times for the title. And yeah, they were all close fights. And I love Max Holloway. I talked to Max yesterday for a story that'll come out ahead of UFC Singapore. He's fought the same dude three times for the title. He fought Chan Sung Jung and beat the holy hell out of him. And I don't think Chan Sung Jung is in a place that he should have been fighting for the title. He beat Brian Ortega. He beat a bunch of dudes that haven't been able to get past Max Holloway, who is a guy that can't get past him. 
So if you want to go around throwing out asterisks and you want to go around qualifying victories and things of that nature, it plays everywhere. So if we're going to do it, let's do it everywhere. And my argument would be, let's not. That's a great run that Volk is on, regardless of how you want to qualify it, regardless of any yeah buts you can throw in there. And you can yeah but everything and anything. That's my issue. And if you're going to do it with one, do it with all. Because doing it selectively, to me, shows bias and shows where you're actually coming from. So what I I would prefer to see, right? Because the original, the original tweet that got this whole thing going wasn't that Aljamain Sterling is the best bantamweight of all time. It wasn't that people need to give this man more, people need to recognize he's the greatest bantamweight in the history of the sport or anything like that. It was simply a dude saying he's on a great run. And if you think, regardless of how they happened, that wins over Corey Sanhagen, Piotr Jan, TJ Dillashaw, and Henry Cejudo is not a great run, then we are just completely on opposite sides of the field here. Like if you can look at that, regardless of how it went and say categorically that that is not a great run, then I don't know what we're doing. Then I need to know what qualifies as a great run. I need to know what is good enough to get you to sit back and be like, yeah, that's a real great run. And if it's Volk, as we just talked about, fine. Okay, cool. I see. So it's, it's, it's beaten Max for a third time when we all knew and all expected that it was going to go that way. It's beaten Chan Sung Jung when he is not really, in my opinion and the opinion of many, I believe in a space where he was, where he merited a championship opportunity, right? Had lost to Brian Ortega, beat Dan Ige, and then got a championship fight. Nothing he had shown in that run that got him there. And then like five fights before that really made you go in thinking, man, this is a guy that is going to win the title. Beat Yair Rodriguez, who couldn't get past Max Holloway. Beat Brian Ortega, who couldn't get past Max Holloway. There's ways to qualify all of this shit. And if we're going to do it, let's just do it completely. And if we, if we want to just say these are good wins and wins are what matter, that feels to me like the best way to do this. Because we should be raising people up. We should be elevating people. We should be... It's not that we shouldn't be critical of people. It's not that we shouldn't add context. That's not what I'm saying. But if we're going to do it, let's add it all around and just be straight with it. Just be as unbiased as we possibly can be. Have it just be facts, 100%. And have it be that way 100% of the time. But it's never that way. That's never the way it is. Right? That's just never the way this shit happens. There's not the counter that says, and let's look at this next fighter. It's just, let's pull Aljo down. Let's, let's make sure we contextualize his wins so that nobody gets out of pocket thinking that this guy is better than I think he is. That just feels petty to me, feels dumb to me. And to argue it from a standpoint of, hey, we hear how, how hard the road is that these guys go through all the time. So let's make sure 
that we get out there and say that he barely got by. All right, but he got by. There's a whole bunch of motherfuckers that didn't get by any of these people and that couldn't get by any of these people, yet alone get by all of these people in succession. So there's another side of the context. There's another bit of context that didn't get added, right? It was just the detraction. It was just the takeaway. Only two other people in the UFC have beaten Corey Sandhagen. They are Piotr Jan and TJ Dillashaw. In terms of Piotr Jan, only two other people have beaten him. Sean O'Malley and Marab Dwalishvili. Aljamain Sterling gets an opportunity on Saturday to beat Sean O'Malley. He's not going to fight Marab Dwalishvili. In terms of TJ Dillashaw, only been beaten by two other people. Dominic Cruz, sorry, three. Rafael Essensau, way back in the day, split decision. Dominic Cruz and Henry Cejudo. Aljamain Sterling's beaten one of them. Dominic Cruz has passed his opportunity to be in that group. Henry Cejudo only lost to two dudes in the UFC. They were both at flyweight. Demetrius Johnson, one of the all-time greats, and Joseph Benavidez by split decision, and Joe B, a perennial fixture at the top of the division. If we are going to sit here and try to argue that the run that Aljamain Sterling is on with the victories that he has put up against guys that next to no one can beat, that have elite winning percentages and have all been, save for Corey Sandhagen, champions in the UFC, and it isn't a good run and it isn't as impressive as people think and we need to qualify it, then we're just fucking this all up. We're just working too hard to undermine people. We are doing too much to tear people down rather than celebrating them. Luke Thomas talks about it all the time, the, the gymnastics that people will do to discredit Aljamain Sterling. And that's what this feels like. This feels like I don't want to give this dude credit for the run he's on. So I want to make sure that people know that he didn't really beat Piotr Jan the first time. Aljo will be the first to tell you that. And I want to let you know that it was really close the second time. I right, cool, but he could have lost that close decision. And that TJ Dillashaw showed up injured. Okay, that has nothing to do with Aljo. He did his job, went out there and ran through the man. And that it was really close with Cejudo. Cool, could have lost that one too, but didn't. Didn't. At the end of the day, that's where the wins part matters, right? That's where the wins part matters. We wouldn't even be having this conversation if he had lost those fights. And so it feels like doing this stuff and framing it around context is a way to try to take away something because he's winning the goddamn fights that people don't want to see him win or people can't believe he win or he's at the top of this division and they don't want to see him there. They don't like him, whatever it is. Now, I don't know if that is the case for Patrick Auger or not. I don't know how many people that would apply to. That's what it feels like to me. And it's maddening. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. Because, like, this is a great run. Nine straight in this division. Most consecutive victories in bantamweight history. 14 wins overall. Most in bantamweight history. Three consecutive successful title defenses. Beating three former champions. Most in division history. And yet we still want to put asterisks on this guy. We still want to say, yeah, but with those victories. It's wild to me. It's wild to me. And we want to frame it as, hey, just add an important context, but we don't add any important context that ever lifts anybody up, that ever raises anybody up. It's just to tear them down. And I'm not in this business. I'm not here 
looking to tear people down, looking to find ways to diminish success because I understand how hard it is to achieve success at this level. I understand what goes into and how few people have beaten Corey Sandhagen and Piotr Jan and TJ Dillashaw and Henry Cejudo. There isn't anybody in the sport that has victories over all four of those men, save for one, Aljamain Sterling. And if you want to turn around and tell me that being a one-on-one in that regard still isn't impressive, miss me with it. Skip me with it. You and I are never going to see eye to eye. I don't even know that I want to hear the, hear the conversation. I do because I'm always interested. It'll probably be one of those things where I have to sit here with my microphone on mute and then unplugged and throw it across the room because I'd be screaming into it in defense of Aljo and in defense of, of my position in this and, and battling back on whatever that position is because that position doesn't make sense to me. We want to have these goat debates, but instead of making the case for somebody, we now approach everything as making the case against someone else. It's the old, it's the old adage of like, because you become the highest skyscraper when all the others get knocked down, doesn't mean you're the highest skyscraper. That's what we do here. Instead of raising everybody up and speaking to the positives and the successes that they've had, we just want to tear everybody down until our guy is standing tallest. Well, that doesn't mean he's standing the tallest. That doesn't mean they got to great heights. That just means we pulled everybody else down. And that's stupid to me. It's dumb to me. As I said in that thread, you can make yeah, but arguments for literally everything all the time, always. There's little qualifiers and little contextual asterisks that you can tack on to just about every fight in everybody's career. And if the only thing we're looking for is one minute and 28 second victories over Corey Sanhagen that can't be impeached, then we're just like, if that's the only win that gets a great win tag, I mean, I don't know, going out and beating Henry Cejudo is a great win. Ain't a lot of people that have done it. Same with Piotr Jan. Same with even an unhealthy TJ Dillashaw. Just feels like we're trying way too hard to, in this specific case, take away from the successes of Aljamain Sterling and in the broader sense, diminish the importance of victories and the value of just winning the fight, of just going out there and getting your hand raised, which is a really difficult thing to do in the UFC. For Keyboard Kimura, I'm E. Spencer Kite. We'll talk soon.